Welcome back to the Ben Motorcycle Adventures podcast, your hub for everything off-road, dual sport, and adventure motorcycle. My name is John. I will be your host. This is episode number 18, Ben Motorcycle Adventures podcast. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Another gloomy day here in Central Oregon. We're in the uh, the midst of winter. Pretty typical weather. Again, it was a little bit uh, unseasonal, if you will, here the past few weeks, but now we've got some snow on the ground. It's kind of cold. It's kind of foggy. Perfect day to crank out another podcast, and we've got a good one for you. At TLC underscore travels on Instagram, her name is Tracy, and Tracy is going to uh, provide us with a bit of a unique story, a unique perspective. Now, most of the time, you know, we're interviewing guests who've been on that great motorcycle adventure or, or um, you know, maybe they just got back or or in the case with our last podcast, maybe they are in the midst of their great motorcycle adventure. But uh, Tracy, as a matter of fact, is actually preparing to ride around the world. So a little bit of a, a unique perspective. I believe Tracy's going to start later this summer and head down through South America to begin with. But it's great to kind of get, again, get her perspective on what that looks like in front of the journey, and I—I uh, I don't know if I'd want to be in her shoes right now because you know the anticipation of leaving, a lot of uh, planning, preparing, and and you'll kind of hear all about that during the interview. But um, I'm envious, but also, you know, it would be tough for me to to wait much longer to go. So, without further ado, let's talk to our friend Tracy. Episode number eighteen, Ben Motorcycle Adventures podcast. Let's do this. Most of the people that I've had come on the show, I've had an opportunity to like do a thorough amount of research on, on what they've been up to or their story or their adventure, but you're kind of uh, in a different situation where you're planning the ride and then other than your, your Instagram feed and Facebook, I don't know a lot about you. Uh, I do I do recognize that you recently retired, so we'll start there. How's that been for you? So far, so good. Um, I actually still have a few more days of work left, so the countdown's really on. It just... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm super excited, and thanks for letting me do this with you. This is great. Um, yeah, uh, 90% of it is winging it, I think, and probably only 10% will actually go as planned. Uh, <laughs> things are quiet right now. Come the spring is when things are going to get crazy, because then I'm going to have to sell my house. Um, I'm currently selling a lot of my possessions, like through Kijiji or Facebook Messenger or do friends, whatever, getting sure. rid of a lot of stuff. I, I can't believe how much stuff I have. Like, who needs eight frying pans, honestly? And then it'll be in the spring, get the house ready, prep for sale. I am responsible still for my daughter. She's in university, so I have to find a place for her to rent. So it's going to be like keeping two lives going, one for her and one for me on the road. Okay. Uh, I'm going to digress a little bit. I want to go back to the start of this. When did you start riding motorcycles? How did you learn? How did you learn to ride motorcycles? So um, I only started riding in 2013. Uh, okay. A friend of a friend, yeah, a friend of a friend rode BMWs, and she loved her track days. And she talked Kathy and I into going and getting our licenses. And when we first did it, I never ever thought that I would really continue on with riding a bike. Like we were terrible. We were popping the clutch, jumping these little bikes <laughs> every time on our bikes. We were dropping them. We were just like terrible. And about a year after I started riding, I thought, I can do this. I'm going to take a trip through Peru on a motorbike. So I did. And the guy that ran the um, 
the trek. He absolutely hated me. I was dropping the bike. I'd never done sand, never done cobblestone, never did hairpin turns, but I loved it. So when I got back home, I ended up taking some off-road courses and doing a bunch of rallies and just talking to people that at these different rallies about what they do, how to learn, how to ride better, etc. pretty much. So that was about five years ago, and I've just fallen in love with it. I, I think it's just such freedom. Um, and, and to travel the world, a lot of people want to do it, but it's really expensive when it comes down to it. Oh, yeah. I think going by bike is very feasible, very feasible. The motor community is amazing. Um, there's always somebody out there. There's so much information. There's so many Facebook pages and Instagram pages and people that are just willing to give you directions, uh, ideas, um, some advice, and sometimes a hot meal and a place to stay. So I'm counting on that anyway sure. when I go. So you started riding in 2013, and the next thing you know, you're in Peru. So you're you're uh, you've got some ambition. I, I'm definitely going to give you that. That's crazy, and it's not unlike uh, a couple podcasts ago. We talked to uh, Jen, who also started riding in 2013, and the next thing you know, she's riding seven, eight thousand mile adventures. So again, for those yeah. of you who think it's too late to start or you can't learn, again, another another prime example here. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I was in my, um, let's just say mid to late forties when I, when I started riding and, uh, now five years later, well, it'll be six years by the time I leave, I'm going to attempt my around the world. Okay. Uh, aside from Peru, now I, there's a ton of motorcycle pictures on your Instagram page. Any other notable adventures or rides that you've been on? Yeah. So I did, uh, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, Montenegro, I've done uh, some of Utah, Wyoming, Montana, a little bit of BC, a lot of Alberta, a lot of Ontario. So just my first solo ride was only two summers ago, and that was out to the West Coast to Utah, Wyoming, Montana, and, and Alberta. So that was that was my first time putting all the camping gear on the bike and just going by myself and and figuring everything out. Th thankfully nothing went wrong everything was you know I was really lucky everything was good the weather was great but uh I got the I really got the bug to do solo travel yeah so kind of explain to us what that was like being out there by yourself um oh my gosh it is it's amazing because you can do whatever you want when you want stop when you want eat when you want stay where you want um and it's just the freedom and Really, when you're on the road on, on a bike, you're never really alone. There's always somebody there. You, you seem to stop at a place. If you see a bunch of bikes at a restaurant, you know it's probably going to be pretty good food, and that's where you're going to stop. <laughs> um, people talk to you, especially being a woman solo on a bike. People talk to you everywhere. So, at first of all, I was really nervous. I didn't have a good experience my first night in the tent. But after that, everything was was great. Um yeah, I don't know. how. There's so many words I could use to describe it, but it's just this amazing feeling. Sure. And back to your point about never really being alone. I rode some pretty lonely stretches in, in Idaho, for instance, this past summer. But it was it, I, I kind of coined this as I said, about the time you think you're alone, you see somebody. So you're right. I mean, there's people all over the place. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would ride a couple of days by myself. And I actually ran into a couple of fellows that I rode through Peru with when I when I got to Wyoming. 
So we rode together for a few days um, and then they took off their way and I took off my way. So yeah, you, you always will find somebody to ride with for a few days. For sure. Um, back to the, the route and, and your intention, I believe, is to to leave in August. Um, so are you really planning to ride around the world or are you just kind of setting off and, and running through some countries? Because I've seen this done a few different ways. Do you have kind of a, a, a list of countries you have in mind or how, how do you plan to go about this? I do. So next August, this is providing everything goes to the by my plan, like, you know, sell the house, sell the Jeep, sell most of my belongings. I plan on pretty much booting it through the States and I want to cross into Mexico through Texas. I'm going to take my time through the States or sorry, through Mexico, um, down through Belize and Honduras. Uh, I will be flying home every now and then. Like I said, my daughter's still in university. So wherever I am, I'll leave the bike and I'll, I'll fly home for a couple of weeks or whatever she needs me for. But I wanted to make it all the way down to Ushuaia. Want to go through again through Peru and and Chile and Argentina, and then come back the long way on the east coast of South America. Hit as many little countries there, and of course Brazil. Can't miss Brazil. <laughs> and then when I come back, <laughs> I am currently looking in. I guess it'll be 2021. I want to spend a year in Australia. So I'm actually just going to buy a bike there and ride it around for a year, head down to Tasmania, New Zealand, and then sell it when I come back. And then after that, oh, my God, there's so much of the world to see. So I want to do all the stands, you know, Kyrgyzstan, uh, Uzbekistan, Pakistan. I want to do India. I want to do Mongolia, Russia. And then I want to do Africa. Europe I'm saving for later because I know Europe is beautiful, but it's really expensive there, too. So. Uh, yeah, I really want to do everywhere. But at first, I may be on the road with my bike for seven months at a time. Then I might have to come home for a month, depending on, on my daughter's needs and what needs to be done here back in Canada. But other than that, one day I hope to just like, yeah, leave and not come back for a really long time. <laughs> uh, seven months is a, is a notable amount of time. We just released a podcast today with two gentlemen who rode from Prudhoe Bay down to Ushuaia might be a good resource for you if you haven't been down there um, before. Definitely those, done. Yeah, those guys, uh, they had some experiences down there to say the least. So, But you know what? I asked them, hey, uh, if you could do it all over again, would you? And, and they, you know, uh, most definitely would do it again. So, Yeah, once you do it, it's, it's so, and again, I'm kind of cheering on the women to do it, but as a woman, even just as a woman rider, it's so empowering. But to go and do your first solo trip or, or just go with a couple of girls, you know, with your tents or for a long distance trip and spend a couple of nights, it's it's really empowering for women. It 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 brings you up. It's it's incredible. It's an incredible feeling. As a woman out there, do you do you feel any different or feel that you're treated any different, you know, when you kind of embark on these types of adventures? I don't know that I'm treated any different in a bad way. I know people are more willing to help a woman on a bike. You know, I may get more offers of, you know, a place to stay or a meal. When I did my first solo trip, actually, there was just a, one older fellow and I in, in a restaurant um, somewhere, somewhere in Iowa, I think it was. And he just wanted me to sit and talk to him about my adventure and he ended up buying me breakfast. It was just it, it was just such a sweet thing to do. But it's a it's a good thing that um, I think people are more willing to help 
a woman alone than maybe a bunch of guys. I, I don't know. That, that could be totally wrong, but that's how I feel. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, I think that's a great answer. I kind of experienced that myself a few years ago, and hopefully nobody takes this the wrong way, but I um, nearly slid off the road in the mountains up here a few years ago, actually coming back from a motorcycle race, and I could not get anybody to help me just kind of get back on the road. And I thought, what's what's the deal? Um, anyway, oh. I've still lived here to talk about it. So, uh, perfect. Back to the around the world. I mean, what what uh, what inspired you to to decide to set off on this ride? Oh, okay. So years ago, when I was younger, I was a flight attendant, so I've had the travel bug for years. Okay. And um, yeah, there's just so much of the world to see. And another thing, I'm I'm determined to prove to the people that I know and that follow me that the world is a really good place. People are generally good. They will go out of their way to help you. They will they will do things for you. They will treat you nicely. Um, sometimes they they protect you and give you a safe place to stay. People are really really good, and and we need to trust in our fellow man more than we do. But that's, that's something too, that I want to prove, but just, I just want to go see it all. Um, my husband passed away at, uh, from brain cancer at 46. So I, um, yeah, it, life is way too short. I got really lucky that I get to retire from work at a younger age and I just want to go see it all. I want to go see it all. I want to go do it all until my health fails. Maybe I'll have 20, 30 years. Maybe I'll have five years. I just, I just want to go see it all, all of it. Yeah, I, under, I understand. It's the, you know, I, for me personally, the older I get, the more I want to get out and experience things more than, you know, hang out of the house and, you know, be a, be kind of a chain to technology or whatever. Yeah, I think when it, when it starts to wind down, it, it's really about those memories and experiences and what you saw, not, not necessarily what you own, you know, what your belongings are. Absolutely. And travel makes the best stories, especially if something goes wrong. That's the time. Those are the stories that you tell over and over again. And it's the camaraderie of the, of the motor community again. I, I just, it, I love it. Um, and I want to, this is how I want to travel the world by motorbike. Yeah. And I always, I always kind of reflect back to my earlier times riding too. And that's one of the words that comes up for me, the camaraderie. We used to, you know, have a group of eight or 10 people and we'd all go riding together every weekend. And those are, again, those are some of those memories that are locked in there forever. That's the type of stuff that you just don't forget. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I've got tons of memories and I've only been riding for five years. So by the time I'm done, yeah, I hope to have many, many more. Um, so I noticed you have a, a BMW, it's a 700. Is that what you intend to travel on when you take off? Yes. Yes. Because I want to keep the costs down. Um, I know BMW's got those beautiful 1200 GSs and everybody loves them. And, and a lot of people are taking those around the world. I love my BMW bike, but I don't want any, any extra costs. I don't want to go out and get a brand new bike. My bike is only four years old. So actually five now, but uh, so it's got a lot of life in it. I know my bike. I'm comfortable with my bike. I could pick my bike up if I drop it after I take all my junk off, but no, I, yeah, it's definitely what I'll be taking when I, when I do get to Australia, like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to have, I've got a friend looking into some bikes for me and I'm not sure what I'll ride when I get there. It depends on the price and, and what I can find for a year before, before I take off. But yeah, I, it's definitely going to be my 700 GS that's coming with me. Okay. Now 
for, you know, hypothetically speaking, you talk about riding through all the stands or Europe in the future, same thing. Are you going to buy a bike over there? Or are you going to look to, uh, you know, use a cargo ship or something to get your bike across the pond or how are you looking? Yeah. Once I, get, once I get to Europe or, or it comes time for me to travel through Europe, I'll definitely fly my bike over. Um, Air Canada here in Canada, they've got some great deals. Uh, sort of some other airlines for shipping your bike. Um, the only reason Australia that I'm going to, to buy a bike there is because I understand they have a really huge, uh, virus and bacteria laws they are very strict about it. Mm. So if there's so much as a blade of grass or some grains of sand on my tire or something, or everything's not empty, my bike could be quarantined for a few days while it gets fumigated, something I have to pay for. So this is, I, again, I don't know this for a fact, but this is what I've had a few travelers tell me. So I think it would be easier just for me to buy a bike over there, ride it, and then sell it when I'm done. Sure. Not not the worst of ideas. I like that idea, actually. You never know what you might end up riding over there, too. Something completely different than, than what you have here. Yeah. Well, I met a couple on Instagram um, a couple of years ago. They were riding their bikes from uh, Alaska, Prudhoe Bay, all the way down to Ushuaia. Mm-hmm. And I actually flew to Australia. I was in Australia this time last year for their wedding. And he lent me his V-Strom and his new bride and because he had to work, her and I took off. And we rode for a week through through the uh, east coast of Australia up to Brisbane. It was it was really nice. So I, who knows, I could be riding another V-Strom. I could ride a Honda. I could ride a BMW. I, you never know. It, it depends on what I find. Okay. I, I like to ask most of the adventures that, that come on the podcast this question, what is your your means for navigation, you know, you're headed off, you're going to ride to Ushuaia, are you using a cell phone, a GPS, maps, what's that look like? So I really, really love maps. Actually, in my living room, I've got uh, a huge wall covered with a big world map. I've got five other maps all over my walls. So it'll be primarily maps. That being said, I do have a GPS. Some I don't usually use it a whole lot. I will use my phone a lot as well um, and the internet to, to look at some places, but primarily it'll, it'll be maps, even if it's just printouts of, of a, a province or a small country. Um, mostly, mostly maps. I love maps. Okay. And then as far as, as food and lodging along the way, you talked about the expense a little bit. You're going to, I assume that you're going to camp some or make some friends along the way and kind of eat along the way as you go is that correct or do you have a plan for that a different plan no absolutely i'm going to camp as much as i can uh the tent the sleeping bag and everything's coming with me that being said in south america the hostels are so cheap you can get a great hostel for like 10 bucks for the night um with parking for your bike a nice comfy bed instead of you know your your pad on the ground and it, it'll be it'll be depend, depend where i am um whether there's some nice hostels close by or whether there's a nice campground. Uh, sometimes with campgrounds too, you can find a couple other riders and you can share the campground cost. And yeah, it'll depend on that, that particular moment, what happens. Yeah. I was actually surprised to hear when, when I talked to the, the Los Panas Americanos guys, uh, well, they were down there in the Southern portion of that Pan American road they bumped into a lot of riders and teamed up with some guys. So I, I, like you said, I don't think you're going to be alone. You'll probably end up ultimately end up with a group, you know, for at least part of the trip. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause a lot of us kind of take, we all, you know, a lot of us want to do the same routes and, and there's so much information on Facebook, so many groups 
that give you really amazing, amazing ideas and routes and little towns and villages to go see, as well as people that you could stay with. Um, or if something does go wrong with the bike, they can you know, give you a shout out as to who's close by to help you fix it or tow it. Again, that's the moto community. Yes. Uh, you talked about, obviously, you're going to retire soon. You're going to sell everything and sell the house or at least uh, work on that. But I also saw you yep. mentioned that, that you might do some some work along the way to kind of to fund the uh, adventure. Is that correct? Yeah. So I'm really lucky because I will be drawing a pension. So it's not like I'm going to be going off in the road with without a monthly income. So I'm really, really lucky there. But... I might have to, you know, I might overspend. I don't know. It's a long time out on the road. I've never been gone that long. If I do, I might have to stop somewhere and maybe do some work for lodging or food or a place to stay or just to make some extra money for a while. There's there's a few people out there that, that go back to work for a little while. I don't plan on it, but I have that option if I need it. Yeah, that's that's a uh, interesting Point. I watched this documentary a few weeks back. It's called Somewhere Else Tomorrow. A uh, gentleman riding through, maybe you've seen it, but he's riding through Africa. And, and he works along the way. And you you know, you know, mentioned the Facebook groups and the, the moto community. That's what he did. He reached out to people you know, through those channels and, and found kind of odd jobs along the way to continue to fund his trip. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a great movie. I love that. That's uh, another one that you watch all this stuff and you read all this stuff and it's very inspirational. It makes you believe that you can, you can go out there and do this. Have you had a chance to watch the longest ride yet from Bay or London to Beijing? No, I haven't. I'm going to put the, write that down right now. Yeah. The longest ride. The longest okay. ride. It's very interesting. This, this, uh, there's a gentleman out there that apparently holds some Guinness world records for, you know, fastest time around the world or whatever, but he takes a, a pretty novice group of riders from London to Beijing and, um, you know, they get near Everest and it's a, it's a kind of a, a culture shock for me being a, a Westerner, but uh very good, very well put together documentary about adventure motorcycle riding. Yeah. Excellent. I look forward to watching that. Actually, when we're done, I'll probably look that up too. After I listen to your previous podcast today. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is a good podcast. Those two, uh, they're both named, they're, uh, <laughs> excuse me, tongue tied here, but uh, both their names are Ian. They have a really great sense of humor. They're still pretty young. And like I said, they, they actually rode from Colorado to Prudhoe Bay, and then they went all the way down to Ushuaia. And uh, it was it was actually pretty cool. The The Skype call, they didn't know, but they'd, they'd uh, called me via video. So I got to see these guys hanging out and talking. But it was the first time they'd gotten together and actually talked about their trip since they got back. They just recently got back. So uh, everything wow. was, was still pretty raw and fresh. It was cool. Excellent. Excellent. I love, uh, I love those. Ah, go ahead. Uh, any reservations about going solo? I know we talked a little bit about that, but is there anything that, uh, you know, kind of sticks in your mind? The only thing that, um, I have a bit of fear about is that if my bike breaks down, like I'm, I'm by no means a mechanic. I know where to put the gas and I know how to plug a tire, turn the bike on, put some air on the tires. But if something goes wrong, I, I have no clue. So I'm going to have my booklet with me. I'm going to have um, some stuff on a USB stick. Uh, hopefully that won't happen, or if it does happen, it's in a well-populated area. But that's that's actually currently my only fear, is what if something goes wrong with the bike? I won't have a clue how to fix it. Yeah, and, you know, the 
the thing that always concerns me the most is something electrical, something that's just not not visible, but it keeps you from <laughs> moving anywhere. That's probably my biggest fear. Absolutely. And and as well with, you know, all the bikes now, like why BMW anyway, it's all computerized. So when you get down into some of these third world countries where we no longer have BMW dealers in every second town, yeah, it gets a bit worrisome for sure. Uh, what other challenges are you encountering already as you kind of start to map this thing out? Oh, my God. Just, uh, well, physical health as well. Um, due to my age, I think I'm getting arthritis in my hips already. I'm like so angry because I'm finally going to live my dream and my hips are bailing on me. But um, uh, there's some also some fear about, I don't know if it's fear, but I am scared about selling all my, my stuff. Um, there's a lot of what ifs in my head. I, mm-hmm. I can wake up at three o'clock in the morning and these what ifs start and I'm wide awake and I'm sitting downstairs having a coffee at 3.30 a.m. because I just, it, uh, it's information overload. I start doubting myself and it's like, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Um, what if, what if, what if? And yeah, and then I get overwhelmed. And then a couple hours later, though, I'm, I'm calm again. I, I know I can do it. It's, it's out of my control. I'm trying not to think too far into the future, um, which is why I, I technically only have plan really to get to the border of Mexico. And that's where I'm going to start taking my time. Because if I think too far ahead, I just, it, it's too much. It's too much in my head. I'm overwhelmed. And that's when these little doubts start coming in. So I'm just going to, that's, that's about all else I can think. Yeah. That day by day approach. We, we, uh, we actually haven't, I'm not sitting here plugging the podcast, but we have one coming out Thursday with uh, a woman who's riding from Delhi to Malaysia. And that's kind of how she's approached it day by day. And I was actually, I'm, I've been kind of taken back as I follow her because she, uh, she just makes all of her plans on the fly. She says, I'm going to ride here today or there today. And, and everything's worked out for me. I'm such a planner. I'd want to know, you know, everywhere I was staying each and every night for the next seven months. But she's doing all on the fly and it's working out great. So, yeah, that that uh, you talk about, you know, getting overloaded. Maybe it's maybe it's a matter of pulling back a little bit. And like you said, just getting to the border and going from there. No, absolutely. I love that she's doing that because for me, something that's going to be a little bit tough, too, is because I worked for however many years and my whole life is a schedule. You know, you get up in the morning, you get ready for work. Friday night comes, you have some fun. Saturday it's chores and it's grocery. So everything is always scheduled. I've got calendars everywhere. I've got calendars on my phone, on my fridge at work telling me when I have to do this and when I have to do that. So that's going to be a, a real learning curve for me as well is just doing what I want when I want and not thinking that I have to be somewhere at a certain time or a certain date. Uh, if, if I want to take a road that looks really cool, I'll, I can take that. And I don't have to worry that I'm meeting up with someone or I have to be somewhere at a particular time. And that's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to, to live that way. Yeah. That'll be a, a, probably a tough change for a little bit, but also I think that's kind of a refreshing approach to the ride because if you set a bunch of uh, you know deadlines or or uh, you know plans in place, it actually, my experience, it has a, a tendency to add a little bit of stress or anxiety to the trip. If if you get tied up at a border crossing or you you know you um, maybe it doesn't look like you're going to make it as far, or you're going to stay in this particular hostel or whatever. So, like you said, kind of taking it day by day may be the uh, the the less stressful of the two. Yeah, I absolutely believe that that. 
trying to uh, ride the world by a schedule could definitely hinder your enjoyment of, of what's <laughs> supposed to be an adventure, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the that only, would... The only thing I'll have is to try not to ride after dark. That's the only thing that I've got in the back of my mind that, that I'm going to be scheduled by, is to, to do my best not to ride after dark. Sure, I think the uh, the problems grow exponentially once uh, something happens after dark, so I'm with you there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, I had a question here as far as have you given any thought to how you might document this? Uh, maybe a YouTube channel? Or are you just going to stick to social media or do you, do you have any plans for anything like that? Yeah, I, it's funny. Somebody asked me this the other day and I, and I haven't decided yet between a blog or a YouTube channel. Um, as you found out at the beginning of our call, I'm not really tech savvy. So I'm thinking a blog might be my best idea. Uh, mm-hmm. I know people like videos as well, but it most likely will be a blog. I haven't set it up yet. Uh, it's probably going to be set up in February, March, and I can start documenting some stuff. And it will be, yeah, maybe some YouTube stuff if I get some good videos. I don't want it. I don't want my trip to turn into a job. I don't want to feel like I have to put out videos every so often because I think with YouTube you have to maintain so many followers. And I don't want to feel like I have to put out a, a, a daily blog or a weekly blog. I just want I want to put it out when I want to. So that's probably why I haven't decided yet. I'm just afraid of this turns into a, a, a job. I feel I have to get this stuff done. Sure. And I, I like that you said that. I, I've been asking myself this for the past couple of weeks. You know, I'll go out on rides with GoPro, camera, sometimes even a, a drone or some other cameras, and and I often wonder if it detracts from the ride. I'm not sure. I like to re- reflect on them, but like you said, uh, well, or like like I would, it's a pain in the butt uh, to stop. <laughs> you know, I always like to stop and take in the sights, but it's a pain in the butt to pull the camera out or set up a drone or something like that. And it can it can really start to cut in to your time. And sometimes I wonder, like I said, if 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 that detracts from the ride. Now, when I talk to these guys that went to Ushuaia they had planned to really thoroughly document the whole trip themselves and they quickly found out same thing. You just can't cover the ground and, and it, it kind of sours the experience too when you feel obligated to document or make videos. So it, it, it's not for everybody. Absolutely. And it's tougher to do it too. When there's more than one person, if you're by yourself, you can stop when you want, where you want, jump off your bike, take the picture, jump back on and go. But if you're with more than one person, it's to coordinate stopping, unless you've, you know, you've got your Cena's or whatever communication devices, it's a lot tougher to agree on where to stop and when to stop. And is this a good picture? Is this a good place to, to video? Um, yeah, it is. It is a lot of work. I remember this past time I rode through Wisconsin and of course I wanted to take lots of pictures. You know, you need the, the, the mighty Instagram picture, but the roads <laughs> through Wisconsin were so beautiful that I literally took one picture when I stopped at a stop sign because the, the whole day was just amazing riding along the Mississippi. Uh, it, just, it was just beautiful. And I remember saying something in my Instagram post about that, that sorry, there's no pictures, but it just, the riding was so amazing. I didn't want to stop. I just wanted to keep riding. So. No, I, I find myself in the same boat. I believe my last couple of days of Idaho, I took just a few photos with my cell phone, sometimes regrettably, but I wanted to see what was around the next turn. I didn't want to hassle with it. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Definitely. 
kind of switching gears here, <clears throat> you talked about your your daughter, but what do your friends and family think about this? Oh, okay, so some of my friends are 100%, most of my friends are 100% supportive of what I'm doing. Um, even if they do think I'm absolutely nuts, um, I've got, I've got a lot of support from my, my moto friends, a lot of really great advice. Uh, my family, um, I don't know. Uh, my daughter's excited for me. Uh, as far as my brother and my niece, um, I think they're excited for me, but I don't know. I think maybe they'll miss me. Maybe that's why they're not as excited as some of my other friends. I'm hoping anyway. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I got kind of, I've got about four uh, questions here left. Okay. I'm wondering, you know, when you go around the world here over the next couple of years, what are you really hoping to see? Oh my God. Stuff that people normally don't see stuff like, uh, like people, um, not, not resorts, not hotels, not all inclusives. I want to see the way people live in other countries. I want to see the kids playing the same game somewhere in Africa that our kids play out here. I want to see, uh, secret waterfalls that you can only see by taking a bike down a trail or hiking down a trail. I want to get through all these mountain passes and, and look at the views. Um, I want to, I just want to see everything. Okay. Good answer. What, uh, what would you, what do you hope to learn? Mm. I, I hope to learn. Tough. I know they are tough. You're <laughs> killing me. I didn't get the wine yet. <laughs> <laughs> What do I want to learn? I want to learn. Well, of course, I want to learn about different cultures. Um, I want to learn a little bit of every language, even if it's only a couple of words. Okay. I want to learn, yeah, again, just how other people live. Um, I want to learn more about myself. I want to learn that I can push myself beyond what I think I can do. Um yeah, I know you really are killing me with these questions. <laughs> yeah, you you uh, you kind of absorb my last question, and again, it's I, I always like to you know we usually talk people on here who've been on the big motorcycle adventure, and I say, hey, what what did you learn about yourself while you're out there? At, um, yeah, do you think do you think you'll learn anything about yourself that you haven't already mentioned? Hmm, I probably will. I'll probably learn a ton of stuff. Um. I'll, I'll probably, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna learn a lot about myself for sure. Uh, what kind of stuff? Um, a lot of it's up in the air. A lot of it's gonna surprise me. Uh, I know just doing like local, like solo trips uh, for three weeks around here. I learned a lot about myself that I can, like I said, I can push myself beyond my limits. That I that I can do it. Um, I learned that uh, when I'm riding some really beautiful roads, I start crying in my helmet because it's so beautiful. <laughs> No, it's uh, it's crazy, uh, but I know I, I will learn a lot. Okay, for me, I think I've kind of wrapped up all my questions. Do you have any any parting shots, advice, or anything you want to say? I know you you were you're adamant about saying, "Hey, ladies, we can get out there and do this stuff." Do you have anything to say to the women out there who might be on the fence about you know an adventure like this? Absolutely, just just baby steps, just baby steps. Um, it'll come eventually, but just do it. 
just take that leap of faith. Uh, it's hugely empowering, if that's even possible to put those two words together. Uh, it's amazing what, what we can do. Um, yeah, I encourage all women to get out there, not just about riding a, a motorcycle, but whatever you think you might want to do but are holding back, whether it be skydiving or, or a, an 800-kilometer trek. I've had some friends recently do those, some women. And, yeah, they rock. It's amazing. Yeah, and just uh, my two cents here. For anybody who's kind of doubting themselves, I've started this book. It's called Can't Hurt Me. It's written by uh, David Goggins. People should check that out. Um, I listened to him on a podcast last night and immediately had to buy the book and dove into it as my eyes were, were half half closed last night. But um, kind of a story of, of you know, uh, just what you alluded to there, overcoming obstacles and really, you know, pushing yourself to do more than, far more than you ever thought you could do. So a little plug for that book too, but kind of ties in. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. All right, Tracy, I'm going to wrap it up uh, with you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. One thing I did want to say, if you need some help setting up your website, I could most definitely do that. Um, it'd be, it'd be pretty oh, quick. Oh, it might be you offered. I'll be all over you for that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it wouldn't be too hard for me to, to help you set up a blog. And like you said, whenever you're, you're feeling uh, inspired or whatever, you could jump on there and, and share a few words or photos and I can kind of help you know, you, you said you're not uh, tech savvy. I could probably put together a quick video too to kind of show you how you could you could make your post and throw a photo in there or something. So, oh my God, John, I really really appreciate that, and I will definitely reach out and and pick your brain and ask for some help. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you for coming on the podcast, Tracy. It's been great. Hey, Tracy. Again, one more time, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate the fact that you're willing to come on here and share your story. You know, moving forward, best of luck with your round the world motorcycle adventure. I know there's a lot of planning, a lot of preparation uh, moving forward before you even set off. But uh, I think we all know you can do it. And then once you get out on the road, I think it's going to be amazing. So I hope we can all stay in touch. I'm assuming we'll all be able to follow along on your Instagram feed. That's a great follow at TLC underscore travels. And then, you know, I, I meant what I said. If you need some help building a website and you want to blog occasionally from time to time while you're out there, on the road traveling, uh, I can definitely help you with that. We can definitely get something set up right away. So just reach out to me and let me know. And but again, you know, thanks for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it, and it was great to speak with you. BenMotorcycleAdventures.com. That is our website. If you haven't been there before, you might want to check it out. Again, you can always go and relive every episode of the podcast through our blog, all of our written content, off-road, dual sport, adventure motorcycle tours in Oregon and on the West Coast. That's what we do. So if you want to check out our website again, benmotorcycleadventures.com. All right. Next episode of the podcast, we're going to talk to or catch up with Evan, who is part owner of Mag Tours in Guatemala. That is Motorcycle Adventure Guatemala or rideguatemala.com. But we're going to talk to Evan about um, his company and what it's like to go down to Guatemala. Yeah. What it's like to go down to Guatemala and, you know, ride an adventure with these guys. So, I tell you what, you visit the website, it looks like great weather, plenty of amazing scenery, volcanoes, lush vegetation. That's all I need to know. I would love to go ride with these guys in Guatemala. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll kind of have Evan recap what it's like to go ride with these guys and, and what it's like in Guatemala. So look forward to that on episode number 19. Now, I don't know if I've brought this up on the podcast yet, but our friend Keith 
from episode seven is coming back. He's about ready to embark on a another motorcycle adventure through Mexico for seven days. And Keith has committed to coming back and recapping his adventure at the end of each day. So you may very well get uh, seven straight days of Keith and his amazing storytelling and his travels or his experiences from the road uh, coming up very soon. So look forward to that. But again, episode number 19, Mag Tours in Guatemala. Really looking forward to it. And uh, I think with that, I'm going to get out of here. You guys have a great week. We'll see you.